Hey everybody, what's up? Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is podcast 5 of 10 in the Pillar of the Sun podcast series from MikeGarrigan.com. My name is Mike Garrigan. And I'm Murray. And we'll be your host today. Thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us. So on this series, what we're doing is we're taking one song from Mike's new album, Pillar of the Sun, and we're talking about its origin, mm-hmm. production choices, yep. and then uh, song meanings. Yep. So um, you're in the right place if that's what you want to know about. And this week, our, the theme of the show, or the title of the show, is Boundary Songs. And we're going to talk about uh, all those things that Murray mentioned, but also uh, the theme is uh, how uh, and when and why do you push boundaries in music? Did you have a good week? I did. Um, just had a lot of work at the studio, which was fun. And mm. then um, we had our first rehearsal for our Lemonheads tribute band uh, that we're doing. Lemonheads tribute. What What are you guys doing a tribute for? Every year, my brother Joe does a, uh, a show called Joe Garrigan's Cover Band Explosion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've participated before. Oh, um, cool. Some okay. of the, this is actually the fourth time I've participated. Wow. But uh, every, every group takes a, a band and we... Uh, mm. do a set by that band oh, okay. That's and cool. then we uh, donate all the money to the Guilford uh, County Animal um, Shelter to help with dogs and cats who are misplaced. That's cool and do you like doing the Lemonheads material and all those songs are really really good so I'm yeah. sure it's a lot of fun. It's fun and, and Mark's in the band too he's doing the main uh, singing and guitar playing and my brother Joe's in the band and another guy named Michael's on bass so um I've played with Mark before, I've played with Joe before, but I've never played with Mark and Joe before, so it should be a lot of fun. I'm having a good time, and I think everybody is, too. That's cool. I, You know, I did something pretty neat this week. I went Christmas caroling. Oh, wow, that's nice. That was, it was really, really nice. fun, I mean, because we went to places where, you know, people don't really get mm-hmm. out that much, and it was good to, to sing a little bit, and, you know, I got to play the ukulele, and I uh, had a oh, good time. That's so very nice. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad to hear that, um, you know, and... Uh, why don't we, let's get into the, we got a lot to talk about today, so uh, why don't we get into the first song. Uh, this is, you, you, you introduce it. The Elephant Rides Again.
Take a step back to notice Walk a mile just to forget But the cyclone just won't go away There's no purpose or Storm, feel the bustle of the tragedy. I see the twister taking form, taste the flavor of catastrophe. It comes alive, it's ocean size. I see clear, broadside fear. Taking form, taste the flavor of catastrophe. It comes alive. It's ocean size. I see clear. The broadside fear. The elephant rides again. So if I'm not mistaken, this was one of the songs from that group of songs that we talked about last week. Yes. Yes, it, it was. So it you is. could probably, you know, this could be a dark song, but we're, we're talking about boundaries this week. So, right. Um, where did this song come from? Well, it, like I shared last week, it was written in the fall of 2008 in the uh, morning pages sessions, what, what mm-hmm. I was calling it uh, loosely. Mm-hmm. And um, it comes from the same place. Uh, but unlike Wicked Light, uh, this song... It's sort of, well, it's very experimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to see what would happen if I had a song that changed tempos, keys, and meter mm-hmm. in, in the middle of the song, if I could pull it off. Like, you know, what would happen if you tried something crazy like that? And what happened was the song, The Elephant Rides Again. I think it's really cool. Um, yeah, well, what do you mean by tempo, key, and meter? Can you um, define those terms for me? Yeah, tempo is the, is the number of beats per minute. Uh, a song um, that is a fast tempo has many beats per minute, you know, like one, two, three, four, one, two, three. And and, and uh, a slower tempo is like a one, two, three. So it's the, it's basically the rate at which the song is played. Okay, I, I get that. So what, what do you mean by key of the song? The key is uh, 
the, the central pitch or the tonic pitch about which the song uh, exists. So if the song is in the key of C, uh, C is the general pitch that's played uh, throughout the song. This is a little confusing, um, but um, how do you explain it? Well, what happens is the, the central pitch for the song changes uh, from section to section, um, which makes, it creates tension, it creates interest, and um, it's just generally kind of a cool thing to do. I think I understand if something is in the key of C, it's at a certain pitch, but if you were to transpose it to like B flat, it'd be a different pitch. Right. And then finally, meter is uh, sort of the way in which the notes sort of organize themselves. Hmm. Not quite uh, you can that, have but... this song has a meter in the beginning of three four, which is sort of a waltzy one two oh, three one okay. two three one two three, Waltz. and the it. choruses exist as a one two three four like rock rock. And uh, when you rocks. change meters like that, you can really alter mood hmm. in a way that creates totally different uh, palettes. It's kind of a, a fun thing to do uh, with the listener's perception. So I got to ask, why did you leave this song off of? Malamander or Spring, I mean, it sounds pretty cool to me. Is it just too weird or is it too experimental? Or what What was your thinking behind uh, not including it? Well, if you're familiar with Malamander, it was, of course, the acoustic record I did in 2000, put out in 2010, and it, mm-hmm. it didn't have this kind of feel. It wasn't very frenetic at all. Um, it didn't really call for a mood change. It was generally sort of mellow and mm-hmm. melancholy, and this one isn't that. And then in sp- Spring, it was more of a... Um, this song really wouldn't have fit, I think, yeah. on on that record. So, um, when the occasion to to do a songbook style album like Pillar of the Sun, when that occasion arised, uh, this song definitely seemed like okay. We at least got to try it because it's such a cool idea, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, it, it works for me. I get the idea. And um, t- well, that being said. Ha- in what ways have you been experimental or pushed boundaries on other albums? I mean, is this just a, um, do you do this once in a while or do you feel like this is something you do all the time? I feel like to keep it fresh. I mean, I I like to push myself, uh, artistically and on spring, you know, a track that was really sort of in a a writing sense, experimental was the song nightmares. Mm -hmm. Uh, that song was completely in five, four time, which with the exception of the courses, which are in four, four, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess it's similar to this in a way. Um, but five, four is a lot stranger than, um, three, four in terms of timing. And then I guess, you know, going back to as early as, um, lessons of autumn, the, the opening track, on that record, for me, it was very experimental. A lot of people say say it sounds sort of like an 80s guitar thing, but, you know, I'd never done anything like that in the studio to mess around with an electric guitar. Just basically not have an acoustic guitar mm-hmm. on, on a song was uh, very foreign to me, and I wanted to see what it would sound like. And that song, in a lot of ways, at that time, was sort of kind of a fragment that just got yeah. turned into the opening track or um, kind of a prelude to the album. No, I hear that completely. I think that's really insightful. Um, you know, I think I was looking ahead to the songs you picked and we're going to listen to, um, live versions of nightmares and a live version of birthday song, uh, which are the songs you're talking about, but we're going to listen to how you do them live, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, which is cool. So, um, why don't we hear one of those? Is that okay? Can we we put that on? Yeah. I, um, I had a version of nightmares, but I I listened back to it. I didn't like it very much. So, uh, let's go with birthday song. This is a cool version of this song from deep South, uh, the deep South show from earlier in November. Uh, here we go. (laughs) 
I think it's really interesting to hear how these songs kind of evolve after you've been playing them a while, because mm-hmm. that's not how the song goes on the record. Yeah, the arrangement is, is about the same, but you're right. The intensity and in, in, uh, execution is totally different. And that's typically what happens when a song is created in the studio and not played out until after the fact. Uh, when you start, when, when I, at least when I've started to play songs out, they change quite a bit. Uh, so that's what you're hearing there. So how do you think, you know, we, we played uh, Elephant, The Elephant Rides Again earlier. How do you think uh, the production choices you made in that song push boundaries? What did you do specifically that you can um, tell us about? Well, the way the song is structured, first of all, um, really kind of informed the way it was produced. Um, the verse is in this waltzy feel and the choruses are in this rock feel. Yeah, it does rock pretty Being good. so... Um, 
I chose instruments that highlight those things. I like the wandering keyboard part mm-hmm. in the verses, mm-hmm. and then it goes to a very straight um, part in the in the choruses with an electric guitar. And over time, as the song builds, it gets more and more intense. It gets kind of crunchy, you know. It's really crunchy. Too. Another thing, um, we used a, a vocoder in the middle of the song yeah. to yeah, um, just create confusion. Uh, the idea of confusion in the song, as we'll get to, is sort of about what it's like to to feel fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to express that in a song. That's something I hadn't done, at least I can recall. Um, and then also, I really one of the things I'm proud of. I, I put a bass solo in this song on the on this record. There's both a drum solo and a bass solo. So well, that's cool. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know. If that's it, the cool the bass solo though is meant to symbolize the elephant coming through and mm-hmm. crashing on everything, and then it resolves into the chorus, and then finally. Um, the song the song ends aggressively. Yeah, uh, it does. Which sometimes, you know, when people get too afraid, they act out on it, and that's sort of the idea of um, how the song is structured. So, for me, that I haven't done that before, and for me, it, it breaks some personal boundaries. So, hope that helps. It does, and, and we talked about a vocoder, but I'm not sure people understand what that is. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, a vocoder is a is a form of synthesizer that takes input. Uh, from the human voice, or in your case, if we were to vocode you from the wooden voice, hmm. and um, uses right. it to manipulate the waveform that in a way that the synthesizer sounds like it's talking. I don't know about this. this and I think it'd be cool. Why don't we uh, vocode your voice real quick? Is that okay? I guess so. I'm, I'm, I'm not fully understanding, but I guess I'll understand at the end. Yeah, so just say the following. Say, yeah, just say, uh, hi, my name is Murray. Hi, wait, want me to sing it? Yeah, kind of okay. sing it a little bit. Be All right, good. so oh, here we go, here we go. Hi, my name is Murray. Yeah. Okay, so that's our, our basic vocal input. Now we're going to run that uh, information through the synthesizer, and we'll see what it sounds like. Whoa. Can do that again. That was pretty cool. Let's hear it again. That'd be really cool. It's like a ringtone, but I don't call myself. But you know what I'm saying. Like, it'd be cool to have for something. And it's neat. You know, you can put lyrics through there and, and all kinds of stuff, and it just creates a mm-hmm. new type of palette. I, I love it. I, I mean, like the sound. I'll, I'll probably put it on the next thing I do, too, you know. I love it. It's so cool. Uh, well, I think you know what time it is. I do. It's time for the mailbag. Of course. So um, right. l- let's look at our mail. Sure thing. Okay. Um, t- today's mail says, uh, Dear Mike, what do you think is the most important pedal for a guitar player to have? Um, what do you think the most important pedal for a guitar player to have is? That's a good question. It's a very easy answer. And uh, in my opinion, the most important pedal a guitar player can have is the tuner. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, the reason the tuner is the most important pedal is because if your guitar isn't in tune, it doesn't matter um, what kind of guitar it is, what kind of amp you have, or what kind of other pedals you have. Uh, chances are it's not going to sound very good. Mm. Um, it may sound good by yourself, uh, but it really won't sound good if you're playing with other people, especially other guitar players. You can kind of get away with it with bass if it's a trio, um, but really f- for the sake of, of, of everyone's sanity, uh I think the most important pedal is the tuner. Well, what about people that can tune by ear? I mean, do you think those people need tuners too? I think so. And the reason is because the tuner um, pedal is is sort of a benchmark. It's not going to lie to you. And you have to make sure that it is set to 
uh, default 440. Uh, I've had, I've been in situations where people have tuned to the to the wrong pitch a, a couple cycles off, and it's just a disaster. But um, yeah, and the tuning pedal allows you to turn off your signal, so when you're adjusting your strings, you don't hear that annoying ding ding ding, you know, the sound. And just out of respect for the audience, and you can be so much more discreet with it. And if you get really good, you can tune while talking to the audience, and it seems almost uh, natural. So that's uh, a skill to build, I think. Well, what other pedals are good besides the tuner? If you're going to pick one or two, what would you recommend? I think it depends on your playing style. I mean, if you're an acoustic guitar player, I don't think, you know, I don't I don't like a lot of pedals on the acoustic guitar. Uh, some people, that's the root of their sound. I guess it's a it's a case-by-case, you know, answer. That's very diplomatic. Um, electric guitar, I don't like to use a lot of other pedals. Mm. Um, I like to get all of my distortion from an amp. Uh, unfortunately, that means you got to play kind of loud. So uh, yeah. it depends on the scenario. Usually, though, unless I'm playing at a really, really big place, I do have a plethora of different colors, uh, distortions, and, and things that, that help round out the sound mm. and make it more aggressive. But um, in my opinion, there's nothing like playing, you know, uh, an amp wide open with, you know, controlling the amount of gain you have with your volume knob on the guitar. That's how I was taught. And um, I think that's what sounds best. Yeah, that's kind of an old school approach too, and there's nothing wrong with with an old school approach. I don't think, um, but I I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of really cool pedals that really accentuate. So I guess this is really a subjective issue, you know. It is. Well, a- answer this for me, since we're talking about boundaries and pushing your limits. Do you ever feel like you you push yourself vocally in mm. a place where you usually don't go because you're you know. You, you do a lot with your voice and, and you know, what's an example of, of that for, for your, um, I think for me, the first time I started really pushing myself vocally was with the song October and the, mm-hmm. the, um, yep. little pre-chorus section. Mm-hmm. I go into this falsetto thing. That was really exciting for me. The first time I did it, I was like, wow, it's so cool. I could sing really high. And, um, high. You know, over the years I've tried to sing louder and more aggressively. And, and mm-hmm. I think recently, you know, the place where I've gotten to um, a limit, an upper limit of what I can do is with the song shine on. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the end of it is, um, it's pretty challenging. It's, uh, I, I belt pretty, pretty yeah. loudly. And also yeah. to fill that song in a, in a live setting, um, with just an acoustic guitar and vocal requires me to do a little more than I usually do. So why don't we listen to um, Shine On from Deep South? Check it out. The Deep South Show from November. Check it out. When your embers fading, 
I'll be a reason to shine on Faster than the sun When your embers fading I'll be a reason to shine on Yeah Just keep your engines burning I'm rising faster than the sun When your So what do you think the song Elephant Rides Again is about? And you talked a little bit about expressing, it seems like it's about fear. Is that, yeah. is that right? Yeah, I think, you know, for we, me, the way I experience fear, and I'm sure the way a lot of people experience it, is sometimes it comes out of nowhere. Mm. You're having a nice day, and all of a sudden, maybe something triggers a thought, or you have another thought that goes, oh my gosh, and, and it changes everything. And yeah. um, it can get out of control sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for me anyway, so... I wanted to write a song that, that sort of addressed, you know, psychologically what I feel like fear does for me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I, I like how in the production and the lyrics, you know, it seems like 
in the bridge, things started to get out of control. And there's mm-hmm. that big stomping elephant that comes through everything. And then yeah. uh, the fight continues. I just, I think it's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, hats off. Thank you. Uh, it's one of my favorite tracks on the record. I know um, from the people who have heard the record, uh, they like it. So uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, uh, what this record is, you can get it at, at MikeGarrigan.com. The record is called Pillar of the Sun. Uh, there's a link where you can download individual songs. You can stream it. Uh, you can also order a CD with, with really nice artwork. Um, and I think next week uh, we'll be live on our digital partners, uh, digital retailers. Um, so we'll have information about that. It's just taking little while to get all the uh, uh certifications done and the uh, registrations done but it's worth it so, yeah i think so um, what, are, what are we going to talk about next week then next week the theme of the show will be uh ghost songs hmm. we're going to talk about uh ghosts hmm. though it's not um halloween it isn't we'll talk about memories uh songs that are about mourning and songs that are uh, uplifting uh, about uh, moving on depressing from, from this life anyway. so i hope that's not too depressing but yeah, i want to wish everyone a, a happy holiday and um yeah, hope you have a good a good week. We'll see you next time. Have a good week, everybody. This is Murray from MikeGarrigan.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>